Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about. Covering all levels of the minors to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 11 of the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and joining me as always in the Toolshed is my esteemed co-host from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, this is our first episode of 2021, so be fun. It's going to be a good one, man. Shortstop was a blast last week. New year, same pod, a lot of fun to talk about prospects. And if you thought shortstop was great, outfield is going to be just as good. We're going to split it up into two episodes because obviously there's so many great guys. And so we'll see how many we get to cover tonight. We're going to try to get through the top 20 or top 20 consensus. A lot of good talk, a lot of good players. Let's do this thing. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no way we could have done this. We almost split up shortstop in the two, but we ended up put, obviously doing it in one. But yeah, we were like, there's no way we can do outfield in or even starting pitcher, which will be you know, obviously after this. Uh, so we'll do both these positions in two parts. We may even do outfield in three parts. Part one tonight is going to be strictly Jared Kelnick, a good hour of Kelnick talk. You, you all know me. I love my boy Kelnick. That's what, who we're going to start with here. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. But before we get into the show, a little bit of the usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. I am at EricCross04. Chris is at RotoClegg. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. We always appreciate those ratings and reviews, even if they're not p- positive. You know, give us the give us the feedback, good or bad. We we always enjoy that feedback. Some personal plugs here. First off, Draft Kit is out on Fantrax. We already have a ton of stuff, over a hundred things already in it. We've been pumping out content all off season. A lot of the, all those player deep dives and strategy articles and mock draft stuff like that is already in. And today, when you're hearing this, we will have our consensus top 100 starting pitcher rankings that Chris and I partaked in. And it was, uh, I think, eight yeah, eight people from our staff uh, were in on that. So a lot of good stuff there. Uh, I got my uh, I had my Dynasty Middle Infield Sell High article last Friday. Uh, this week, I'll have starting pitcher sleepers and bust. A sleepers will actually be out today. And then also an article correlating with this episode on Jared Kelnick. Chris, what do you get coming up this week? 
Yeah, so I am working on uh, top 250 hitters that will be releasing uh, the top 200 that I did in December, and now I'm updating, moving some guys around, adding up to 250 now, so we'll be at 250. That'll be out Tuesday. Got some Dynasty by low middle infielders and that'll be coming out on wednesday and then a brandon marsh piece on thursday and we'll be talking a little bit about him tonight so that will kind of correlate with that which is exciting marsh probably debut this year so it'll be a fun guy to, to so look at and Mauricio will... <laughs> yeah absolutely is it is it safe for me to think that ronnie Mauricio will not be in one of your two articles yeah no not at him no you don't think so you don't no. you don't think he's a good by low <laughs> You don't think he's gonna be a top 250 hitter this year? No. Great sell high. Hey, you put that, you put that in your article. I was proud. I did. He was using my article, and I referenced the uh, the great little discussion we had last week on Mauricio and, and your epic rant, which everyone should go back and listen to. Even if you heard it, just go back and listen to it again for a good chuckle because it was great. Um, but I'm yeah, surprised. Was- surprised I didn't get more hate on that. To be honest, I had one guy tweet me. <laughs> Uh, some guy tweeted and said, I thought I was really low on Ronnie Mauricio. And then I saw your ranking and holy crap. It was like an all caps. <laughs> so I took a, I took a good laugh at that, but that's good. Yep. Yep. You are, you are the new low man in the industry on Mauricio. I'll I think you it. took that title from me. Um, I'm happy to, to pass the torch to you. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'll take all the date. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. That was a blast. Um, but yeah, like we said, outfield tonight. So let's get right into it. We'll start with our consensus, or not our consensus, our personal top twenty. We're going top twenty tonight. We've usually did top ten or fifteen, but we figured we since we're doing top twenty overall, we give our personal top twenty. So Chris, what you got in your top twenty? Yep. So your boy Jared Kelnick comes in at number one, and his teammate Julio Rodriguez number two, Dylan Carlson number three, Corbin Carroll four, Austin Martin five. Christian Robinson, six. Alex Kirilov, seven. Brennan Davis, eight. Riley Green, nine. Jason Dominguez, 10. Zach Veen coming in at 11. Trevor Larnick, Alec Thomas, Garrett Mitchell, Brendan Marsh, George Valera, Randy Arozarena. Yep, I'm sure I'll get hate for the low ranking. Taylor Trammell, Eric Pena, and Drew Waters rounding out 20. Yeah, no, we'll definitely get some people commenting on a Rosarena. Um, but yeah, it, that's it is what it is. That's where we have them. Uh, we'll, we'll take the slack. It's fine. I'm sure we're still two of the lower in the industry on him for, in terms of our ranking, but that's okay. Uh, mine, I have Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, Christian Robinson, Dylan Carlson, and Justin Dominguez at five, six through ten. Zach Veen, Austin Martin, Brennan Davis, Corbin Carroll, and Riley Green. Then 11 through 20, I got Alex Kirloff, Trevor Larnick, Alec Thomas, Garrett Mitchell, Brandon Marsh, Randy uh, Rose Arena. I can't get that out of my head. Uh, um, <laughs> Jeff Hassan. If you, if you didn't hear, Jeff Hassan went on back during during the playoffs. He went on, I think it was Juan Pablo's podcast, and he made up a song about Rose Arena, but it was like the mock arena, and it was hilarious. Uh, it had me in stitches. It was so good. Uh, so he's my, I don't know what that is, 16, I think. And then the last four, Austin Hendrick, Drew Waters, George Valera, and Eric Pena. So a lot of good names here. We'll, like I said, we'll get to around the top 20. We'll see where we are. Maybe it's a little more, a little less. We'll see where we are for time, where we are in the conversation. But right around 20, and then we'll get to the rest of our uh, rankings in next week's episode. So make sure you tune in for that as well. Let's start right here at the top. We, we both had Jared Kelnick and J-Rod 1 and 2. It's a great debate out there. A lot of people have J-Rod higher. I get it. I don't personally. That's no slight to J-Rod at all. 
he's going to be an absolute monster. But for me, um, Jared Koenig is my top outfield prospect here. And I know, Chris, you have him there as well. I, I'm going to rant for a while, so I'll let you go first. For you, yeah. why, why do you personally have Koenig ahead of J-Rod? Yeah, I'm not, I didn't write down a ton because I knew you'd probably take up plenty <laughs> of time on him. So yeah, here's sure. what I see. One, he has one of the most beautiful swings. You just watch it. He argue, he has the best swing in the minors, maybe even in all of baseball. It's just beautiful, man. Easily a plus hitter. He's got plus power in the profile. He's got good speed. He projects to me as someone that could hit 300, 30 home runs, 15 stolen bases at any point in his career. Would not surprise me. He's extremely polished. Very advanced approach from the left side of the plate. Barrels the ball well. Hits line drives to all fields well. He does everything well. Ton of poolside power. He's also a very efficient base stealer. And while he's not, he's not like a plus speed runner, like just from a pure clock number. He he's efficient. He know he runs well and he's efficient base stealer. So I do think that he ends up stealing 15, maybe even 20 bags. You know, he could even approach that, which I like a lot. Um, it's funny because oh, that this is before I even started really scouting prospects. When the Mets drafted him, I really didn't see the projection in the profile. I didn't really see much power projection there. And then, I mean, I was wrong about that. I'm glad I was wrong about that, actually, because hey, Kilnick's going to be a stud, man. Mets fans, I know you hate to hear this, but the dude's going to be elite. I know you're uh, enjoying Edwin Diaz and, and Robinson Cano over there for him, but so it's all good, man. Kilnick's going to be great. He's going to be a stud. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you, Eric, because I know you've got plenty of great things to say. You can't say enough great things about him. You can't, and I can already see it now. Michael Simeon is probably flipping you off, flipping <laughs> both of us off from wherever he's listening, if he is listening. Uh, who's another Matt fan? Matt Williams is a Mets fan. Everybody uh, in the industry is a Mets fan, it seems like. <laughs> I know. There's a lot of them. It's kind of funny. But, yeah, so like, like I mentioned, having Kelnick ahead of J-Rod is no set to J-Rod. I mean, they're numbers two and three overall in my top 250. So, obviously, I love J-Rod as well. The reason why I go with Kelnick ahead of him by a hair is because I think there is I said, the better all-around profile, which you got into that. I'm actually a little more bullish on the speed. I think he's – I agree he's on above average um, just, just on foot speed. I think you mentioned very, very efficient. He just doesn't get caught. Like in the minor leagues so far in 173 games, 35 steals, only been caught eight times. That's over 80% success rate. Very, very high baseball IQ, work ethic. I, follow, go follow him on Instagram. He's always posting these workout videos and swing, you know, batting cage stuff. You know, he is a he's a ball player through and through. I let love that. So I think he can actually be – I think he can get to around 25 steals. I really do. I, so I'm a little more bullish than most on the speed, but I think he can get up there. I think the power – I think he is even more robust than the speed. I think he's plus power. I think he could approach 30 home runs annually. Like, He's not the biggest guy in the world. Like uh, about a week or so ago, uh, one of the Seattle Mariners like player development or prospect pages put out. Maybe it was even the Seattle Mariners account. I forget, but they posted a picture. Uh, and it was left to right. It was Kelnick, J Rod, and Logan Gilbert, and both Gilbert and J Rod are substantially taller, a good few inches taller than Kelnick, who is listed at six one one ninety. But he is just very, very strong. It looks like he's bulked up. Like so I'm going off of his, his Instagram, you know, pictures and stuff from this, this past like six months or so during the lockdown. He looks like he bulked up a good amount, not like to, to the point where it's going to make him struggle or anything like that. But looks like he's added some bulk, which I love. I think he's gonna be a 30 home run, 25 steel guy or so. 
And there's a plus hit tool here too. So, you know, we're, we're looking at 290 to 310, right around 300 every year. I think he could be a high OBP guy as well. His walk rate's above 10% in the minors so far. Doesn't strike out too much. Doesn't chase a lot at all. You mentioned the swing is, I say it is the prettiest swing in baseball right now, regardless of level. And there's a lot of good swings. And this, I'm saying this is a prettier swing than Robinson Cano. I know some people will give me slack for that. That's fine. His is beautiful as well. But Kelnix is just absolutely picture perfect. If you're a coach or you have kids or whatever, show them Jared Kelnix swings. It is absolutely gorgeous. I think we'll be looking at it's a five category stud here. You know, like I said, the high average, the power speed. He's gonna be hitting right in the middle of the order. So a guy that's gonna be pushing or exceeding 100 runs and RBI. He'll have J Rod hitting around him, Marte eventually down the road. We've talked about a lot on this podcast. You know, Evan White, Kyle Lewis, you know, there's a pretty good young nucleus they're building there in Seattle. So it'll be a very fun lineup over the next few years when all these guys make it to the majors. Um, in terms of his ETA, he should be up very early. Obviously, you know, we can't you know really pinpoint when the start of the season is going to be right now until we hear more. But uh, just, just going off the assumption that maybe it's, it starts on time in the beginning of April, if he's not up by like mid-May, I will be shocked because, you know, people were calling for him to come up, you know, and, and the last year, obviously, that, that didn't happen. But he is very close. He got the double A in 2019. So I think you're going to see him very early. And if he gets, let's say, 120 plus games in, I could think you could see him push 2020 or 2015 or so in his debut. He, he says he's only 20 years old. Actually, he just turned 21, but very, very polished. I think he's going to come in and right off the bat, he's going to be a fancy asset. So uh, in terms of drafting him, Chris, where do you think, you know, I think his ADP right now is near 200. Where would you be okay drafting Kelnick this year in redrafts? I mean, at that point, I don't think there's a whole lot to lose. Obviously the deeper league you get, the more, obviously it's a little shallower because if you're going in a 30 team league, I hope you're not doing 30 team redraft, but geez, <laughs> I mean, if even a 15 league, 15 team league, that puts you at what? Uh, 13 pounds right. somewhere around yeah, there 12, 13, 14 yeah right so somewhere in there it's a little risky but he could come up and pop off right away and i think that the floor is definitely there for him to do that there's no question that he's more than capable i'd love to see them go the evan white route and just go ahead and buy out those arbitration and team control years so he can start the the year with the Me team too. don't know if that's even in the cards or not it's hard to know but I think around 200 is is very reasonable, especially in like a 12-team league. That's like towards getting towards the back end of your draft. So, shoot, I'll gladly take him there, stash him. Even if, even if you have to stash him for a month or two if your roster's deep enough. And I know it's not always easy with shallow benches to stash, but I'm telling you, like, he's definitely worth the upside. He could come up and, and you know, what Soto did when he came up or Acuna, like he's capable of doing that. And I think that – it's, it's easy to get those expectations based on the Soto's, Acuna, and Tatis. Then we have to remember the Joe Adels who came up and struggled. But yeah. I just think Kilnick is so safe. Like, he just has that floor. He's got such a good eye to hit. Um, I don't know. I just don't see him coming up and struggling mightily. I mean, if he does struggle, I don't think it'll be be that extreme like Joe Adele that we saw. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I yeah, I cannot see him. Like Joe Dell was one of the worst hitters in baseball this year. You look at all the metrics. I just can't see Kelnick doing that. His, his approach is better. He walks more. He strikes out less. So I, I think 
we're going to see a nice rookie season. You know, maybe even the American League Rookie of the Year out of Jared Kelnick this year. And I, I put out a tweet yesterday as well, um, kind of like detailing the guys from my top 100 that I thought were going to debut this year. And I did not put Julio Rodriguez. And some people asked me, like, hey, you know, you don't think Julio Rodriguez will be up this year? I don't. Here's why. You know, he had the broken hand that kind of shortened his season last last year. And they don't need to rush him. They really don't. So they already have Kyle Lewis. They're going to have Kalnick. They have plenty of options right now. Jake Fraley still is kicking around, who I still like a little bit. So they don't have like a huge need. They're not con- probably not going to be contenders this year. I don't think they have the, the pitching staff to contend for playoffs this year. So why should they rush Julio Rodriguez after he just had, missed all that time with the broken hand? Hasn't been above high A right now, which he, where, where he was in 2019. So I think they'll probably start him at like double A. Maybe, you know, I wouldn't put it at a, a 0% chance he debuts, but maybe it's under 5% for me. And if so, it's going to be September. If they're somehow contending, yeah, it's always possible, but I really just don't see him up in 2021. But with that said, long term, he is going to be a monster. You know, a little different profile. I think the hit tools with Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez are pretty similar, both right around plus. He has the less speed, but he has more speed that people give him credit for. I think people look at, oh, he had one steal in 2019 in 84 games. Yeah, he's not a burner, but I think he's around average speed and at least enough to you know, getting the 10 to 12 range annually, just a nice little cherry on top of his offensive Sunday. But that offense is going to be so robust. He's going to be, you know, he is, I think, Luciano with, a, you know, he's basically Luciano, but plays a different position. I think they're very similar skill sets, you know, the plus hit tool, average speed, double plus raw power. He put on an absolute display out in the fall league when I, when I went, when I was out there, he was as dominant. So, I think he's more like the third, you know, three hundred thirty-five ten type. Um, but what do you think, Chris? What do you what do you got on J Rod? Yeah, I mean, you've kind of said it, but I've I wrote down two ninety to three hundred average, thirty-five home runs, said five to eight stolen bases. Definitely potential for more. He runs really well. He does. But, I mean, like you said, the the hit tools huge. The raw power is huge. Very similar to Luciano in those those terms. I think he, he's just very advanced for his age. He shows the ability to hit extremely well. I will say I'm becoming a little concerned about his injuries. He keeps seems to yep. keeps getting injured, which is interesting. He got injured to end uh, or during this season, and then during the Dominican Winter League, he also got injured. So, uh, nonetheless, he's extremely talented. Ability to hit for both average and power. He's only going to grow into more power as he. I mean, just huge. He's a huge physical specimen. He's a beast and. Even though the speed, like you mentioned, he's probably an average runner. For his size, he moves extremely well. So he's still going to chip in. He's capable of stealing bags. So I'm stoked about J-Rod as well. I'm just praying he can stay healthy because, you know, it's concerning to see multiple different injuries. It's not like it's a recurring injury. So when you're seeing a variety of injuries, it kind of becomes slightly concerning. But the talent level is still there. So I'm not going to dock him, like, ranking-wise for those injuries because the talent level is unreal. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. It, it is very concerning. He's already had all those injuries so far, but like you mentioned, so advanced. Both these guys are just so advanced for their age. You wouldn't think they're twenty-one and twenty. Like for example, uh, one of the bats I saw of J. Rod out in the fall league last year, it was a uh, I forget who was pitching, but it was somebody with a really good slider, and I think it was probably like the seventh or eighth pitch of the bat. It was full count, and it was a great slider that was probably would have been a called strike 
or maybe just off the plate, but he took it the other way, just looped it in for a single, but it was just a great piece of hitting, staying back on it. You know, people look at him for the power, but he's a very, very good pure hitter as well. So both these guys are going to be, I think we're looking at guys that are going to be drafted as early round fantasy assets in the next few years, like 2023, 2024. You're starting seeing these, these guys creep up into the top couple of rounds of fantasy draft. I really do think so. And it's maybe a little bit kind of out there to say just because they're so young and haven't played above double A, but I think this is the floor and the ceiling here is just so robust with, with each. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. They're probably gonna be like numbers three and four on that lineup for a long time. Probably Kelnick three, J Rod hitting cleanup. That's gonna be a really fun duo to watch. Um I think I'm gonna adopt Seattle as like my West Coast team. Um once just gonna get Marte up there too. It's gonna be oh that's gonna be fun. They're, they'll be my West Coast my AL West team, um, but obviously not, not more of my Red Sox. But all right, let's move on here to one of the next guys on our list, Dylan Carlson. You know, we were just gushing about those the last two, but I'm not gushing about Carlson. Obviously, I have him ranked very highly. Uh, he's a, a bare minimum top 15 overall dynasty prospect, I mean, universally at this point. Did struggle a little bit in his debut, but then turned it on at the end of the season. But in general, I am actually thinking on selling high on Carlson. And also, I'll tell you go on in a second, but Chris, why don't you kick us off? What do you got on Dylan Carlson? Yeah, I, I feel like Carlson's more of like a floor type play. He's not like a, I mean, Kilnick, J Rod, they've got floor and ceiling. There's not as much ceiling in, Car- in Carlson's profile. <clears throat> um, he really started coming into his own, I guess, in 2018, flashing a little bit of power potential. He really didn't break out until 2019. Like the the numbers were pretty pedestrian until then. Obviously, more than statistics go into prospect evaluation and such, but he was pretty pedestrian until 19 in between double and triple A slash 292, 372, and 542 with 26 homers, 20 stolen bases. Uh, Carlson's a switch hitter, excels from both sides of the plate, posts solid line drive and fly ball rates, which is encouraging. He's got a really good feel for the strike zone and walks at a high rate, which is a good for his OBP floor. So if you're in an OBP league, he's he's pretty good value. Uh, he's great hitting ability. I think there's potential plus power in the projection, but I think it's a stretch. I think he's more of an above average power guy as opposed to plus. Um, Long term, I do think he's likely to decline in speed. Like Even though he's a great athlete, I, I see him looking at like, maybe like a 25 home run, 10 to 15 steal type guy with with solid batting average. I don't think he's going to hit 290. I don't think he's going to hit 300. I think he's going to be like a 275 type hitter. He struggled. Like we know he came up, he struggled, but he did return pretty solid late in 2020. I about said 2021. We're just now in 2020. In 2020, <laughs> he, struck, he returned in September, and the last – 12 games, he slashed 278, 325, 611, hit two home runs, and drove in 11. He was also pretty solid in the postseason with a 333 average and 571 OBP, even though that was a small sample. So he did look improved there. But, again, I'm just not seeing the upside. Like, he's still a solid player. He's he's definitely good. He's I just don't think he's going to be, like, great or, like, exceptional, you know? Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I even might even take him a step below that. And – you know, I like I like Dylan Carlson, but at the same time, I I'm not there with the hit tool. The power, I think the power is plus in my opinion. I think 25 to 30, maybe even a little bit over 30 at, at his physical peak is realistic to expect. Same thing with the, the speed, probably 
you know, I'm with you there too. 10, 15, I think more so the 10. I think he's a, I don't, I don't know how well the speed, you know, ages here, but definitely you, you love the pro, the strikeouts and walk profile here. The approach is pretty solid. Like, like you mentioned, he walked over 10% of the time in the minor leagues, uh, about 11 or 12% there. Strikeouts are in the low 20s. So it doesn't, there's no huge chase issues here, but this, the contact isn't, this, like the, you know, the quality of contact's good, but the quantity, I don't, I don't see him hitting for a high average here. I'd even go a little bit less. You said 275. I think that's definitely realistic, but that might be on the high end for me. I'm thinking more like 260, 265, but at the same time, the you know, he should walk a fair amount here. So you probably also get around like a 340, 350 OBP or so. Uh, so maybe, maybe he has a little more value in OBP formats and average formats, but... Yeah, I don't, you know, he went 26-20 in 2019. I, I don't think you're going to see 20 steals from him. So don't don't look at that year and think that's what he can do. Power-wise, yes. Power, what he has shown, um, is legit. Like I said, it's plus power here. But I'm only thinking 10 to 12 steals annually. He was one in, the, in 2019. His estimated fly ball distance was 317.7 feet, according to Prospects Live while he's at AAA. Um, with a 53.7% fly ball already, he and it finished that season very well. Double uh, A was a little less than that, but he's shown that the power is legit. I think he's a probably hit near the middle of the order. I don't know if he's a cleanup hitter. Maybe he's a number five guy or so, a guy that can with that power can stretch the lineup. But I would actually be just looking to sell high, N- not get rid of him. That, when people hear sell high, all the times they think, "Oh, get rid of him." No, that doesn't mean that. Sell high and get rid of are two completely different things. I would only obviously trade Carlson. He's a very good talent only trade him if I got the right offer but and that with that being said that's something I would kind of do right now is just float him out there and trade see what you can get you know the the shine is still on this profile and I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be off the profile anytime soon but I, I just don't I think he's going to slightly underperform what people are thinking for him that's just me you know a lot of people are high in this industry on Carlson I know that uh, a lot of people are hoping he's going to be you know uh, elite player after Randy Rosarino was traded away and after he, what he did with Tampa, which we'll get into here later on the show. Um, but yeah, for me, if I have Dylan Carlson shares, which I think I have a couple of them across my leagues, I got to figure out, but I'm probably looking to float them out there, see if anybody will overpay for him um, moving forward here. But now let's move on to the Arizona trio because there's, you know, while the Seattle duo is, you know, more talked about, the Arizona trio is just as enticing here. Some real debate here about who is the number one guy now. It's been Christian Robinson for the last couple of years, but now a lot of ta- rankings you'll see Corbin Carroll as the number one guy here. Chris, who do you like more long term, K Rob or Corbin Carroll? I finally made the move to put Corbin Carroll above K Rob. Here's why. He's quietly becoming the best of the bunch. Honestly, it's tough because Christian Robinson has such loud tools. Like he can be in that elite tier, but there's so much risk involved, man. So that's why Carroll's passing him for me. He just bring he brings a plus hit tool to the table. He has a very safe hit floor, extremely polished at the plate. You just call him a pure hitter, is what he is. He's as pure of a hitter as Kelnick is. Does he have the Power is Kilnick? No, he certainly doesn't. Could he get to average power? I think he could. 
So I'm thinking that he could approach like 20 home runs at peak, which doesn't excite you. Like no one's getting excited about that for fantasy purposes, but hold on. He's a pure hitter. He controls the zone well. He hits line drives to all fields. He's starting to lift and elevate the ball better. Reports out of camp are that the power is coming. And he's a, he's a smaller guy. He's listed at 5'10", 165, I think. It's a little smaller. Um, but the power is coming. Throw on 70-grade speed. All right, so that's really fast. right? He's very, very fast. He's going to steal a ton of bases. And the floor, the safe floor, and that's what I'm looking at more and more. When I'm evaluating prospects, I'm trying to evaluate with a floor and ceiling in mind. I think it's easy for us to get excited about the loud tools that Christian Robinson has. And he does. I mean, they are very loud tools. But for me, Carroll just is so much safer. He's a lock to play center field. He's so natural in the field. He's a great fielder with a good arm. At the plate, I think you can expect something like 17 to 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and an average around and approaching like 300. So that's what I'm expecting from Carroll. And that's an extremely valuable fantasy player. Where, where can you find that? You, you really can't find that that often. So even while he's not going to like help you in home run totals, he's going to help you so many other places. And that, that power total is not hurting you. So that's why I love Carroll, but I like Robinson too. The upside is obviously elite, but I'll turn it over to you. What you got to say? Yeah, so I still have Robinson ranked higher, but that gap is very, very much closing. And I could see myself moving Carroll ahead pretty soon here, uh, early on in 2021. If that power gets to that range that I've seen some people, like Prospects Live put out their um, Arizona Diamondbacks top prospect list a couple weeks back, and they put 50-grade power on Carroll. I've seen other places as well. That's kind of like, that's the X factor here with Carroll because we knew that the hit tool was plus and the speed was double plus. Like that was not questioned. That was kind of there from the moment he got drafted. So we knew that was there, but the power is with, if it's developing, like I heard those reports through the, the, it was developing nicely at, at the alt site and, and instructs. So if he gets to 50 grade power and is in that, you know, upper teens range, I will move him ahead. You know, if that power is legit, you know, it's hard to say that, you know, hitting at the alt, alt site, we, we saw we heard the same things from Jaron Duran, Tyler Freeman, that there was more power added, which is great. You love to hear it. But I want to see that in games. If, if he shows, you know, that the power, in-game power has ticked up as well, I think that will be the kind of the breaking point where I do move Corbin Carroll ahead because I think there's no doubt that the floor with Carroll is higher than with Robinson. You know, we heard, you know, I've heard some – reports out of camp that he, you know, the contact it w- was a problem. The ch- there were some chase issues. So the hit tool right now is a question. And I don't like when there's hit <laughs> questions around the hit tool, especially from someone that's already been in the minors like, like Christian Robinson. So let's say he almost went backwards with that development, but you know, this plus or better power there is above average speed could be a 25, 30 home run, 20 to 25 seal type down the road. It's a great athlete, but I do question, if he, if he hits enough to get to that power and speed and fully you know, maximize that. But we'll see. And then you get Alec Thomas here, who is kind of like the under-the-radar third guy. You know, Chris Welsh and I have been kind of leading the Alec Thomas bandwagon for the last year or two here. And he's – I think he's actually – in terms of floor, I'd rank them Carroll, Thomas, Robinson. And then for upside, Carroll and – I mean, that's something Robinson, a tick ahead, and then Carroll, 
and then Thomas. But you know, he's there's nothing flashy about Alec Thomas at all. But you're looking at a very advanced hitter for his age, plus speed, above average to plus hit tool, uh, and he's he's hit in the minor leagues. So so far through 170 games. He had 56 games after the draft in 2018 in rookie uh, two levels of rookie ball, Arizona League and Pioneer League. And he was at uh, high A, King County in the Midwest League in 2019, and then Class A Advanced California League at the end of that season. Total 170 games, 312, 385, 455 slash, 37 doubles, 13 triples, 12 bombs, 27 steals, 126 runs scored. You know, walk rate right around 10%, K rate a little under 20%. So he's kind of like, you know, a slight, he's like a watered down version of Corbin Carroll. I hate to say that he's still a top 25 or top 30 guy in my opinion, but just the upside isn't quite there. The speed isn't quite as robust. Power is probably around the same. He's like a fringe average power guy, 15, 18, I think. But I think this, the lesser speed upside is what separates Thomas from Corbin Carroll. But if you got to go, go out and get one of these guys in Dynasty Leagues, you could probably get Thomas for a pretty reasonable price right now same thing with carol is if carol's power is average then you're talking about him being ranked at least for me right around where cj abrams is that's kind of the profile i have for abrams where it's six five seven and if carol is six five seven i'm gonna put him right up with abrams in that range something i learned very early on that chris blessing of baseball hq taught me was like make buckets of guys that have similar you know similar tools and then look at your overall like all right so if i have these two guys with the same skill set but i have kind of this gap in rankings why do i have that gap so if i'm putting six five seven on carol i'm moving him up so i would definitely try to buy all carol shares i can all the thomas shares i can and dynasty leagues right now because i think um just because the reasonable price on thomas and carol's price will be much more expensive come you know even come mid-season here assuming we have a normal minor league season so very very exciting trio here for arizona let's go ahead and take a quick break here we'll come back on the other side talk some dominguez talk some rosarena and a lot more good players so stick with us Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. I've been talking a lot of good outfield prospects so far. we got a bunch more here to talk about before we close out the show. Chris, let's start with Jason Dominguez here, who is the, the hype on Dominguez right now is so incredibly high. You know, if you were in Dynasty Leagues, would you be looking to maybe, me personally, I might look to dangle him out in trade talks just because the, I said the hype is so high and he hasn't taken his first at bat yet. We saw the video of him all bulked up looking like Aaron Donald or a defensive end or something like that. So would you be looking to maybe even sell high right now and see what you can get? Yeah, because I, I just see Kevin Mitan all over again. It scares Ooh, that's, crap yeah, people, me. People are going to be like wetting their pants when they hear that. Right. <laughs> Obviously, like the dude has elite upside. But when you look at him the day he signed versus now, so we labeled potential double plus run on him when he signed. 
that dude ain't gonna this dude's gonna be a below average runner, man. He you mentioned he looks like a defensive end. Now I won't even give him that defensive tackle. Like defensive ends can be pretty fit, but he's like a D tackle up the middle, man. He's huge. <laughs> The the upside's there, no doubt, but the hype around a now seventeen year old, like he's just seventeen. He hasn't even taken a bat. We haven't even seen him swing stateside in a game. And he's just getting so much hype around him. And I think that that's a little scary. Plus the Yankee tax, like knowing the hype, calling him Mike the next Mike Trout and him being with the Yankees, like the value is just out of control. So yes, a hundred percent sell him because if when he's stateside this year and he could suck it up and his value drop a ton. So you want to be ahead of the curve on that. And that's the thing about dynasty leagues is important to understand. Always be ahead of the curve. So we talked about buying Carroll and uh, Alec Thomas. Now you, you got to know when to sell guys. Like this is a prime example of somebody that you should probably get out on early. Could you be wrong? Sure. Like he could definitely turn to be elite. Like he's solid hit. He should have big raw power. I mean, definitely bulking up that frame. He's going to have some serious power. I just think that I'm just worried. I'm worried about the risk here and there's a lot of risk and I'd prefer to get out now because the value could very well be at an all time high. I mean, we were labeling labeling potential 30 home run, 30 steel guy when he signs, not even, sniffing 30 steals he's not even thinking about that he's not going to attempt 30 steals in his major league career maybe, <laughs> maybe that's extreme that's probably <laughs> i think that, is, that might be a little extreme but no i'm right there with you though i am definitely looking to see what i can get for dominguez right now it's just because the hype we could wonder franco didn't have this much hype at this point he didn't give it till his debut and as we all know that that first debut when they get into rookie ball in their first, you know, taste of minor league action, that is huge for their value. You, you can see it skyrocket like it did with C.J. Abrams, Corbin Carroll, or you, you go the other end of the spectrum, like you mentioned with Kevin Maiton. Now, with with Dominguez, you know, we, we looked at him as an up the middle player, center fielder. He, he's more of a corner outfield guy right now. I think the power is could be double plus. I think we, we could be looking at that. He's listed at 5'11", 190. That was before. Uh, that was when he signed. Uh, right now, I don't know. It's, it's hard to throw a number, but he's got to be 220, I think. It's been looking at him. He looks 220. It all looks like it's all good bulk, though. So he's not like fat, out of shape. But you got to wonder does that push him out of center into a corner? I think it does. You mentioned the speed dropping. I think long term, I think we could be still going to an average speed guy. He, he still is highly athletic. So I think. 12, 15 steals, I think, is still reasonable annually. We'll see. That's that's the X factor with him is how much speed will he provide. And that's it's hard to say right now because we haven't seen him really run since he bulked up. All you see is those batting practice videos of him looking like a defensive end, hitting tanks. So we'll see how the speed plays in games. That's going to be what, one thing I'm really going to be looking at next year when he gets into minor league action. But I still think, he, I still think he's a top 20 dynasty prospect because – so the power is going to be right up there. And he, he hits the power from both sides of the plate, too. He's got a really powerful swing, very quick swing, quick hands. And he's shown a decent feel for hitting. So I think he could be above average hit tool, plus or better power around, you know, average speed or so, which is kind of like what I've been saying for Zach Veen. That's kind of a similar 
you know, profile to Zach Veen. So I'm, I still have Dominguez in my top 20. I know some are more concerned than I am and I've dropped him down further, but we'll see. I, I can't drop him down too, too far until I see him get in the games. I just can't, you know, I dropped him down probably half a dozen spots or so. I think he was like 11th or 12th for me. Now he's more, I think he's more like 17th in that area, but still a top 20 prospect for me, but we'll see. Yeah, he'll be one that I'm really looking to, you know, looking forward to seeing, getting the game action to see, you know, how the speed plays, if the power takes up like, like it looks like it has, how he does, you know, at the plate. So definitely looking forward to seeing Doming- Jess on Dominguez here in 2021. And let's move on here to another kind of a similar player here in terms of the sell high potential, Randy Arozarena. Let's, let's get into this, Chris. We, we've been, we've waited long enough to talk about Randy Arozarena. Man, what are you doing? Let's, let's start with 2021. Let's start with that, and then we'll go into Dynasty after that. We've seen his ADP started the, like, back in October, well, in the early drafts. I think he was 110 to 115, I think, in that range was his ADP. Now we were talking about this earlier. It's up. Well, you see there was top 60 now, right? Yeah, I think he's 58 overall. I'm cool. actually going to pull up for the last month, so from December 1st on, and let's see what yeah. he is. He's probably pretty stagnant. Yeah, he's 59, so he's pretty stagnant around there. But inside the top 60, so high. All right, so let's look at who's going around him. Pete Alonzo, George Springer, Kevin Biggio, Trent Grisham, Lance Lynn. That's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of good players there that are a lot more proven. Obviously, the upside is there. He showed like he was the best player on the playoffs by far. He set the home run record. Without a Rosarina, Tampa Bay is not sniffing the World Series. I think this is they won't. The rest of their offense was pretty stagnant for most of the playoffs. They were just riding a Rosarina's back. I was like, all right, go hit two home runs tonight and score us five runs. And I was like, they didn't have him. I don't think they make it. Maybe they didn't make it out of the first round. Who knows? Definitely not to the World Series, but that's just too high for me. I just got him in a best ball at pick 83. I'm okay with that. 80 to 100. Well, in the beginning of the offseason, I was not okay with that. I've come around. I think that's fine. But yeah, top 60, I'm not going there. And I, I don't think you are as well. Yeah, no. I, I told somebody in a tweet, I think, around 80 or later, I would consider. Yeah, I mean, there's intriguing power speed here. But I just think it's so unrealistic to expect what he did in the postseason, even the regular season, again. And that's what we're what we're paying for. We're paying – for peak value. And it's the same thing I said about Pete Alonso last year. So we paid up like 25 ADP. Obviously, a rose range is not this high, but you paid up that high for the, the highest possible outcome. And I think that's what we're doing with the Rose Arena. We're paying that highest price and expecting he's going to return that again. Because to return the value at his ADP, he's going to have to perform how he did last year. Just my opinion. I get it. It's intriguing. I get it. I know that he spent time eating rice and chicken and he bulked up. I get it. I've heard it. You've told me a million times. It's not going to convince me to draft him at pick 59 or 58. It's just not. There's too many good options there. I don't think he's going to be a plus power type of guy. Sure, we saw it. We hit 17 and what? Not even 100, a little over 150 plate appearances. That's so unrealistic to expect. That's not who he is. It's just not. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. The projections high. high. Yeah, the projections 26 home runs I think is very high. 26-21. How many guys are capable of hitting 26 homers and stealing 20 bags? Very few. 
Under under 10, that's single digits right there. Yep. And here's my concern. The projected batting average on him is 258. That's not good. I, I know projections are whatever. We, can, we, we don't have to get into that. I don't think that he's a plus hitter by any means. Obviously, when he was hitting a bomb every at-bat, the batting average was going to be high. You know, he hit 281 in the regular season, 377 in the postseason, whatever. It, it is what it is. I don't. I think at this point, you're either in or you're out in, in redraft. It, it, you're not convincing anybody otherwise. I'm out at the price. I'd be in if he falls a little bit because it is intriguing. I think that he's got 20 home run pop. I don't think he has 26 home run pop. I think he gets snagged. 15 to 18 bags. I think it's reasonable, but you know, I'm, I'm out at the price. Yeah. At the price, I definitely am too. Uh, it's all about the price. Like I said, if he follows 83, I'm okay taking him there because of the upside, but at 59, heck no, count me out. You know, somebody else can go, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Trent Grisham all day. I love Trent Grisham at that price. Lance Lynn's a good arm, very reliable arm. And I forget that some of the other names you mentioned there, but I will go with those guys all day over at Rosarena. And, you know, if you're looking at 15-teamer, that's the end of the fourth round. If you want a Rosarena as one of your top four players and, you know, one of your top two or three hitters, I don't know what I do. I don't know what I want to put that much on him repeating. You almost need him to kind of stay, you know, at Superman levels and hit 25 to 30 bombs, steal 20-plus bases. Where I just don't think he's going to be that type of hitter. Yeah, the power has ticked up. He bulked up. Chicken and eating chicken and rice, like you mentioned. I don't know why that doesn't work for me. I, I don't turn into a 25 homer guy eating chicken <laughs> and rice. It goes the other way. But that's neither here nor there. But, you know, I think the power has definitely ticked up. Absolutely. I think he can be low 20s. I think that's reasonable over a full season with, you know, 15 to 20 steals. You know, average. We'll see. It, the average, he, he always hit for a pretty solid average in the minors. Uh, he was a career, I think, 287, 288 hitter in the minors. But you looked at, you know, it's a small sample size, absolutely. But, you know, he struggled he struggled mightily in both, you know, years, 2019 and 2020, against breaking balls. Had an XBA of under 160 uh, both years. Again, small. It's only a 24-plate appearance sample size, so we can't read too much into that. But this is not a perfect profile. There's some chinks in the armor. I think the average is going to dip. I think 270, 22 home runs, 17 steals in that range, I think is pretty solid. And that back end top 100 is worth it, but not when you're pushing top 50. And another thing too, he hasn't been the most efficient base stealer in the in the minors. Like he's stolen 61 bags and 88 attempts for a 69.3% success rate. So who knows if he gets the green light too much? Let's see if he's hitting. He's probably gonna hit middle of the order. And after what he did, he's probably hitting. Guess from third or fourth in that hit bay order. They don't really have any huge bashers uh, in the middle right now, so probably slot him in there. And you want to wonder how much does he run? You know, usually guys that are hitting third or fourth in the order aren't stealing too many bags. Like, I think he's gonna be a twenty-five steal guy at hitting third or fourth in that order. So I, I think like you know, low twenties homers, high teen steals, solid but not great average is realistic. Um, so yeah, I'll take him th- back in top one hundred, but definitely not pushing top fifty. All right, there's a Rosarena. We're done with him. Let's move on to a couple of guys here that are actually underrated. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. A couple of guys that are underrated. Drew, uh, not Drew, uh, Brandon Marsh is a guy that I've seen out in the Arizona Fall League. I think is very underrated. And then uh, Trevor Larnick as well. Chris, you, you pick one, I'll go with the other. You know, what, which guy do you want to talk about here? Sure, I'll hit on Brandon Marsh. Um, even though I like both a lot. So I've 
gotten pretty aggressive with Marsh recently. I bumped him up into the 30 range in my prospect rankings. I just think that this power speed combo is legit, plus the hit tool. Now, he's developing into like an above average hitter. The raw power is plus. Do I think he develops into a plus power hitter like game power? Probably not, but he's still a solid power hitter. The speed's plus. There's a lot to like in this profile. He's young. He should debut this year, which is awesome, and I'm very stoked about. So in 2019, in AA, uh, just 412 plate appearances, hit seven home runs, stole 18 bags, hit 300. And if you're in an OBP league, even better because Marsh's excellent plate approach. He has a great eye. He walks at a high rate. So his OBP was 383 over that full season, and we've seen him approach 400 OBP on several occasions in the minor leagues, which is definitely encouraging. Uh, he does hit the ball on the ground a decent bit, which is my small concern. I'd like to see him elevate the ball a little bit more, see that home run to fly ball rate rise. If he does, then I think there's there's 20, 25 home run pop in the profile. He's going to run. So the power speed combo is legit. The hit tool is very, very good. The OBP skills also very, very good. Doesn't strike out a ton. He's just a well-rounded player that I think just gets underappreciated, like you mentioned. You mentioned both these guys are kind of underappreciated. He was definitely overshadowed by Joe Adele. Now that Adele's no longer considered a prospect, even though, you know, he, he technically didn't pass those limits, was close, but the service time days, you know, it's worked out against his favor. But he was always overshadowed there. Now Adele is not considered an Angels prospect anymore. So Marsh is kind of the guy to shine in the Angels system. And I think that he can really embrace that. I think he debuts this year at some point. He's going to provide nice value across the board. Some people even said that he could be better than Joe Adele. I'm not sure if I'm buying that, but I've read several reports of people saying that they do believe that he's that talent, which is very impressive. So great athlete all around. I like Marsh a lot. I do too. I saw him out in the Arizona Fall League. And he was one of the more impressive guys that I saw out there. You know, if it wasn't for uh, Royce Lewis kind of going off out there winning the MVP, Marsh, I think, was in the, at least in the discussion for MVP. Uh, he slashed 328, 387, 522 out there in 19 games with two home runs and four steals. Like you mentioned, the the power is well, I think there's above average raw. It's just the swing is so linear with him. He's more of a line drive hitter. Uh, so I want to see him start driving the ball in the air more. I think his his uh his stock will really skyrocket even more than it already has. And I'm higher than I, I think most of him. I have him top uh, I think he's pushing my top forty right now. Seems to be so good across the board, especially if that power can tick up, which I think it can. He's got the raw power, so I would just love to see that fly ball rate go up. And I think you'll see his probably push top 25 here before you know, he debuts later in the year. Let's kind of sneak in some Joe Adele here, though, because like you mentioned he did exhaust his prospect eligibility in terms of you know, the service time. But I'm going to cheat a little bit here. So he only has 124 bats, so he's under the bat threshold. Now, he's not in my rankings. He won't be in our consensus. He's not in either of our personal rankings. But, you know, people have always asked, asked about him when I put up my outfield prospect rankings and all that. Chris, are you buying low on Joe Adele in Dynasty Leagues right now? Yeah, and this is the perfect time to do that. Always the best time to sell is when somebody debuts. And then the best time to buy is when a prospect comes up and struggles. Adele's yep. legit. I do think there's reason to be concerned. Like, it was pretty ugly last year in his Major League debut. But the thing was, he wasn't ready. And I think that everybody knew that. The Angels knew that. He just wasn't ready. They brought him up anyway. And so, I don't know. I'm, 
there was concerns. He he looked dreadful. He hit 161 at 212 OBP, 266 slug, but that's not who Joe Adele is. And we no. know that. He, he's much more than that. He's got a ton of raw power. He's extremely athletic. He's got great speed. And while the hit tool does have some question marks, he's never going to be that guy again. We saw him hit for average consistently in the minors. I'm not labeling him as a plus hitter by any means, but the dude showed the ability to hit for average consistently. Like in, in at seasons where he had plenty of at bats, you know, hitting over 300, 290, 288, 376. Like he showed the ability in, in short samples to hit for a high average. I'm, I'm not overly concerned. I think that, the contact rates do improve. That's what's the biggest concern there. He made just dreadful zone contact. He made contact on 66% of the swings he made in the zone, which is not good. Not but good. That, that'll tick up. I'm not concerned about that. Healthy line drive, fly ball numbers throughout his career. He'll be fine. Will he be a superstar? I'm not saying he will. I think the potential's there to be a superstar. But regardless, the value's dipped pretty low. And so I would buy – and. It, it's possible it dips even lower because it's expected that he'll start in the minors. They've came out and said that, that they expect him to get some time in the minors this year because he needs it. I told you he needs it. We saw that he still needed it. And so the value could continue to drop. Like this is what happened with Kyle Tucker. And we said over and over, like buy, buy Kyle Tucker, buy low there. And the value dipped. It's what it's what happening with Gavin Lux right now. This is I was for to mention him too, yeah. Yeah, great time to buy. Absolutely agree here thing with Joe Adele is he has struggled at the beginning of every level and then made adjustments and excelled. So he didn't really have the time last year with the shortened season to make those adjustments and get to the level that he could potentially be at. So I think that has to be factored in here as well. He saw that at basically every level of the minors, he struggled for a few weeks, then he got it going and put up Joe Adele stats. And he definitely, I don't think he was ready. I think he was rushed. I think he would have greatly benefited from spending at least the first half of 2020 in AAA after he really struggled there in the end of uh, 2019, didn't have any power, hit for an okay average, but the power just wasn't there. And we've seen that like, this is a potential 35. He's got the same raw power as Rodriguez or maybe even a hair more. I think there's 35 to 40 home runs in this bat. You know, play, he's probably going to play a corner outfield, but I think he could play center field. He's, he's athletic enough. We'll see if he wants to run in the He's got plus speed. He's got plus athleticism, but he just hasn't shown the willingness to run a whole ton. So we'll see if, you know, that usually, you know, as James Anderson said in the conversation, that usually doesn't tick up. Like they don't usually start running more in the major league. So I'm concerned a little bit there. Like he could be a 20 plus steel guy. Maybe he's more like 12 to 15. We'll see on that. But definitely the great time to buy Joe Adele here. Because, like you mentioned, that's that's one thing I've always preached as well. Is you know, right after they debut, everyone's overreacting one way or another. Capitalize on the overreactions, and right now everyone's kind of like, "Oh, Joe Adele looked like crap," and he did. He was one of the worst hitters. Look at Savant. You know, I, you know he, his Savant page it looks garbage. There's a lot of blue balls there. He still hit the ball hard. Sprint speed is still there, but everything else was absolute garbage. He chased everything. So. Right now is the perfect time to buy low on, on Adele. He's still a top 50 overall dynasty asset for me. If he was still a prospect, people will ask that. I would have him probably fourth or fifth. It'd still be the top three, 
Um, but I'd probably put him probably fourth behind J Rod. You know, maybe fifth. Luciano. He's right there with Luciano, I think. And I know the the boys at Prospects uh, Baseball Prospectus, just um, Jesse Roche and Brett Sayer, they have him higher than that. I think they still have him two or three, they said. So definitely go out there and get Joe Adele right now as the price will probably never be lower than it is now. But moving on to our other kind of underrated player here, Trevor Larnick. You know, he gets – you mentioned, Chris, how Marsh got kind of overshadowed by Adele. Same thing here. Trevor Larnick is in the same system as Alex Kirilov and Royce Lewis, who have been the two kind of shiny prospects in this system, even though Larnick was a first-round pick as well. He was the 20th overall pick back in 2018. People kind of forget that, but you know, Larnick is just a great hitter. Like People – He's not that far from Kirloff. In fact, they're back-to-back in my overall rankings with Kirloff one spot ahead. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if Trevor Larnick ended up as the better player. We'll see. But, you know, the the profile is actually pretty similar. I think Larnick is above average to plus hitter. And we saw that power really tick up his last year at Oregon State after hitting just three home runs in 60 games in 2017. I went up to 19 home runs in 68 games his final year. And then the minors, you know, it hasn't been robust. He's hit 18 home runs in 169 games. But the hit tool is there. The, the, the power is plus. The raw power, I should say, is plus. So I think you could see 25 to 30 home runs. I don't think he'll be a huge bopper by any means. I don't think he'll see 30 to, you know, 35 or so. But mid-20s, mid-to-upper 20s, I think is very realistic for Trevor Larnick with a very good average, very high OBP. He could be a guy that flirts with 300 and a 360-plus OBP. He's looking at in the minor leagues in 169 games. The slash on is 307, 385, 468. 18 home runs, 7 steals. He's on a zero. Maybe he adds a handful of steals annually, you know, four or five steals. Same thing with Kirilov. Their speed is you know, not going to be a factor. But he's not that far off. For me, I don't know about Chris. Are you, are you kind of in that same boat? Yeah, that's the thing. He's not in any way that dissimilar from Kirilov, but it seems like he's just so much further down. Like when you just think of the two, you just think of Kirilov being that much higher. Warnock's right. an OBP monster. So if you're in an OBP league, the dude's a, a monster. He's going to hit for a ton of power. There's a lot to like here, man. He's a solid hitter as well. Pretty well-rounded, I think. And that's my thing. I don't get why... We just hear about Kirilov, 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 and we forget about how good Larnick can be. He's like that typical Twins. Like The Twins have so many guys like this, which is funny, but they've got a lot of guys to like here. I like Larnick. Um, He's pretty much approaching that Kirilov range, and I think that if they both debut, I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up similar stats, honestly. It's just who they are. They're similar guys. I think they could be similar players. So I think Larnick's value is a lot lower in Dynasty, so I'd try to go out and get him for sure. That That's the thing right there. Similar value, not similar price tags. Like You can probably get – you know, Kirloff is going to cost you a top 25 prospect price tag. It's not going to cost that much to get Larnick. Yeah, you still have to pay up to get Larnick, but more like think top 50 prospect price tag because I think there's that common exception that he's a good amount below Kirloff. He's just not – and I'm not the only one that said that he's going to be better than Kirilov. I've heard others say it on Twitter that, you know, oh, you know, Kirilov's not as good as Larnick. I can say that. I think they'll both be very good. It's not a knock against Kirilov. They'll be very good, both kind of middle-of-the-order guys. 
both great hitters. But yeah, OBP. If I ranked OB for these for OBP, I would have Larnick higher because Kirloff isn't a huge walk guy. He walks okay, um, but not nearly to the level that Larnick has so far in, in their minor league career. So I, I would give the slight edge to uh, to Larnick in OBP leagues. But it go out and get some Trevor Larnick because people are going to realize soon that he is just as good, maybe even better than Kirloff. Um, so, and then the price tag will catch up, especially when he gets up, up to the majors, you know, middle of 2021 or, or at the end. So they both probably will be up at some point in 2021. Uh, maybe even Kirloff on opening day, we'll see. But you yeah, go out and get some Trevor Larnick here. Now, before we end the show, is a handful more guys we'll talk about quickly here. Kind of group them all together. They're kind of like the last handful in our rankings here. Guys like Austin Hendrick, Eric Pena, Drew Waters, George Valera, those types. Chris, let's let's go let's go out five years in the future. Who do you think out of this this bunch here that we have seventeen through twenty? Who do you think is going to be the person that's drafted the highest in fantasy leagues? It wouldn't surprise me if it was Eric Pena, just because of the upside. So I'm I'm totally buying in on that upside. You watched him; he's a hard worker. He's constantly he's posted stuff on Twitter a lot, just working in the cage, working on the swing. Just mechanically is very sound. Got. Great, quick hands through the zone, incredible bat speed. So Pena would not surprise me if he just really took off this year. This will be his first uh, year, first sample of stateside ball, which is exciting. Uh, I'm thinking that he's an above-average hitter right now, above-average, maybe more power. But the the hit and power tools are very solid. He's a, he's a decent runner as well. He's an exciting young prospect. And some have comped him to like Carlos Beltran. And we know in, in the prime, like Beltran was really stinking good. So if you if you could guarantee you get like a Carlos Beltran season out of Pena, like sign me up all day. And so I'm just thrilled to see how he develops. Like I think that he's going to be in Columbia, which is right down the road from me. So I'm excited to see get out there and see him. So hopefully he does start there. But he just shows great strength, quickness through the strikes on the ball really – pops off that bat. You can just hear it when he when he makes contact, how it jumps off the bat. I think that there's plus power in the in the projection because he's got a, still a projectable frame listed at 6'3", 180, so he could definitely add a little weight to that frame, add some strength as well. Solid runner. I think that he could definitely play center field because he's, he's a good enough runner, good enough in the field. So a uh, premium position there. Very, very exciting prospect. And so I would say he's – probably the best chance of any of those guys to jump. Some of them, I mean, like Valera is kind of a boring profile. Waters is, eh. you know, there's some, there's some things to like about each of them. Hendrick could be, Hendrick's power could make him jump as well, but Pena is the most well-rounded, I think could really take a jump there. Yeah. I was, I was going to say either Pena or Austin Hendrick. Those are the two I'm most excited about. Like Hendrick could be a, you know, 30 plus home run guy and Pena could be too. Like he's a very strong athletic guy, you know, so and you've seen all the, the videos on his Instagram and, and on Twitter that people have posted. And that's a very good looking swing. And you, like you mentioned, the, the sound off Pena's bat is, is it's that you know one of those sounds. It's hard to describe, but one of those sounds that you hear, you're just you just kind of stop and listen. Pena has that off his bat. So if I you know was ranking here, who we th- will be the highest twenty you know 2024, 20, 25, whatever. I think it'll be Pena, then Hendrick, eh. the other two, Waters, Flitter. I'm not sure. Maybe Waters, but you said Valera is kind of a, a boring profile, and I've seen him drop uh, substantially in some rankings here. He dropped down mine too, not a to- whole ton. I still have him top fifty, or just, I think maybe just outside my top fifty, right around there. 
but and he's going to slip down. Waters has been sliding a good amount in rankings to the point where I had a hard time trading him in the D1S30 league that you and I are both in, Chris. I finally did trade him. I forget for what. He was in the package for a major league guy. Maybe it was my Conforto deal. I forget. But not many people were really looking to get Drew Waters. So I think just across the industry and, and just in the fantasy world in general, his price tag has really, really dropped to the point where I'm not sure if I'd say he's a, he's a buy low, but I don't know. I'm just not overly excited about Waters. You know, I, I don't see the power getting there like some did. You know, I think 15 home runs, 20 steals is a possibility, but you know, there's platoon issues here. You can't hit lefties, you know, from the right side of the play. He's a switch hitter, much better from the left side, especially in the power department. So I don't know. I'm kind of out on Waters right now because I traded him away in every league I had him in, which wasn't many to begin with. I never was too, too high on Waters, but I think he'll be maybe the lowest of the two. But, yeah, definitely Pena and Hendrick are two guys that really, really could jump here uh, in the next few years. So I'm, I'm getting all the dynasty stock of them I can. Um, yeah, that's going to wrap us up. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in again this week. Like we mentioned, this will be a two-part uh, position here. We'll go with part two next week, and there's a lot more because on our consensus we went – pretty deep here so a lot more good names next week we'll do our our usual breakouts and stuff like that to j2 guys next week as well so if you're looking for that that will be next week and we will put out our consensus rankings in the middle of this week as we always do uh, with these positions we'll probably break them up again because you really only can fit about 25 in a, in a good picture on on twitter so i'll probably do three parts do like 75 to 51 50 to 26 and 25 to 1 to so be able to look on the lookout for those I uh, should so follow us on Twitter. I hope you already are. If you listen to this, you probably are. Um, give everybody over on Fantrax to follow us. Everyone's putting out great work here with the draft kit. So definitely follow all the great writers over on Fantrax. And we will be back with you again next week for part two. And until then, take care.